My name is Rich Teeters. I used to be the pastor here. Yeah. <laughs> One day things got carried away. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, that's an, just a great extreme example of what can happen. It's this thing that, that we, we call Christianity or being followers of Christ. And, and it is extreme. Uh, although, unfortunately, it, it's, it's not too unusual in many places. And the truth is, and you, know, and, and you know, are we trying to make fun? Well, maybe a little. Um, but more importantly, are we trying to defend? Certainly not. But you know what? Somebody's got to bring some sanity to this thing. And, and there's not been a lot of that in the church in general. Okay? That, and I'm not saying I always have either. Uh, I'm not there yet, but in 30 years, I'm figuring out a few things. Because one of the questions I asked myself many years ago, and I still ask myself, is this what Jesus had in mind? Is this what Jesus had in mind? And um, I can pretty much assure you that what we've seen illustrated in a, in a pretty extreme way is not what Jesus had in mind. And I can say that because I have the Bible to read. And I'm going to show you some of that in just a moment. Um, part of, you know, my subtitle of this really is how Christianity got hijacked by Christians. And it really did. And it, one of the things that happens in this whole thing is, you know, sometimes well-intentioned, sincere, and I can't judge anybody's heart, but sometimes well-intentioned, sincere people have one thing in mind and, and it starts getting, you know, it starts getting moving and the, the ball starts rolling and getting bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, you got something that you really didn't intend in the first place. It's certainly not what God had in mind. So here, here's what I want to do. Let me just first of all start. And uh, I've changed a lot of this since I first taught this two years ago, but a little over two years ago. I've changed a lot of things because this, this, is, this message, whether I deliver it successfully or not, is up, still up for question. But this message really is, is quintessential renaissance who we are and what we're about. And that is not to create a culture, I'll explain that in a moment, but to bring Christ to our culture. I'm not trying to change and, and, and make you into some kind of what we used to call it where I went to school, little Billy Bibles. Uh, we're, not, we're not looking to try to do that. We're trying to get you to see that Jesus is relevant. And he's relevant 2,000 years ago and he's relevant today. And that's why I'm going to show you what Jesus himself says here in just a moment. But this message really is for three kinds of people. Okay? They're all here. And some of them kind of cross over. I don't know that you can just make three distinctions. Some kind of cross over. The first one is, is the, it's a message for people of faith. People of faith in Christ. Um, so that they will understand that being a believer in Christ or being a Christian is about having a relationship with God, seeking to honor Him in one's life. And it's not learning um, some kind of church language or, or some kind of church Christian subculture. More on the subculture. If, you don't, if you're not tracking with me, hang with me. I'll explain it more in just a moment. So that's the first thing. This, this, this message is for people who, who, who would consider themselves Christians. Some of you know I'm not nuts about the word Christians, and I try not to use it too much. Part of that's from my background the last few years, and maybe you know this about maybe you don't, but spent some time in D.C. with a group that works with, with internationals and so forth, and I still do a, a prayer group in the U.N., and, and we, we never say Christians there because the truth is in many of their countries that's a political party. Um, and we're not interested in dividing over politics. What we just say there is we're, we're there to, 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 to talk about the precepts and the person of Jesus. That's how we say it. And it's funny how when you say it that way, we have, we have Buddhist, we have, we have Muslim, we have uh, Christians of all 
of all colors, you know, not literal, well, all colors too, but I mean all brands, you know, whether they're Catholic or Protestant or, 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 or whatever. And it's all because we're gathering around the person and the precepts of Jesus. So anyway, that's one of the nuts about the whole term Christian. So the first, the first part of this is, this is for people of faith who might call themselves Christians, and you can call yourself that, I'm okay with that. Uh, the, second, the second thing, this message is for people who, who don't have faith. Um, and I want, I want to talk to you because I don't want you being misled by the lack of authenticity among the many people who call themselves Christians or, or even followers of Christ and who are more concerned about their actions and, and their associations and, and their politics than they are about the one thing that faith is supposed to affect, which is your heart. So it's for you, too, those of you who, who are not necessarily people of faith. And then thirdly, this is for those people who don't know what the heck they are. I'm not sure where I am. I'm not sure where I am on this whole this whole faith journey thing. Whenever you talk about that, Rich, I'm not sure that I'm even on that journey. And maybe I am, and maybe one day I am, and maybe one day I'm not. I'm not sure where I am on that. And this is for you too, because uh, it's it's so that you will give consideration and understanding as to what trust in Christ really means and what it doesn't mean. You know, and and that oftentimes masquerades itself as other stuff when we talk about being a believer in Christ or a believer. So, let's just get into that. And let, me, let me explain one more thing, just to kind of just make sure we all understand each other here. I talk about this Christian subculture. Some of you are probably, you know what a subculture is, and you know what that means. And, and, and what is that exactly? And I'll give you an illustration. We have here, uh, in our fair state, um, um, a Jersey subculture. I know about that because I've I'm new. I'm only five years here. And some of you, I mean, and let me give you a couple examples of our subculture. And then I'll, I'll make the correlation. Um, you ever hear this term? Uh, well, let me, let me explain this way. In, in Alabama and Florida and, and, and California, the Carolinas, they have a thing. They call it the beach. Okay? We don't have that in Jersey, even though we're in the Atlantic Ocean. We call it... Is it down the shore? Is that the way to say it? Down the shore. What the heck is that? You know? Down the shore. And you say that to other people, they're like, are you talking about the beach? I mean, really, I've had that happen. So our little old sub, we understand it. Now I say, oh, we're going to the shore. Yesterday, we, I did a wedding on the shore yesterday. Okay? And, um, and it rained. That's another story. But anyway, brides, if you want to get married outside... There's always the possibility of rain. We need to understand that. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, it was, it was great, and it was fun, and, and everybody was, we just, the bridesmaid just pinned their hair back and got wet. And it was just one of those deals, you know? It was like, okay, here we go. Anyway, um, down the shore. That's one of our, another, another thing here in good old Jersey. And I, I just, you know, I got in where I'm speaking the language. And the other day, I said, I had somebody with me, and I was driving, and I said, we're going to go somewhere. I said, oh, we're just going to hit this jug handle. We'll go right over there. And they're like, jug handle? What's a jug handle? You know, in the Midwest. What's a jug handle? And they're thinking, you know, are you going to stop and get a jug or what? And they were serious. And, I, you know, you just, you know, of course we know it's because we don't make left turns. Part of our subculture. One of the things that hit me the most when I first moved here was, in the, at least in the places that we have lived, any restaurant that was BYOB, I mean, you kind of looked at it like, I want to go to a restaurant where you have to take your own bottle with? 
Are they going to break out knives and guns? I mean, what, what kind of deal is this? Because in many places in our country, believe it or not, you know, the nice restaurants serve wine and, and, and things like that. It's just really amazing little concept, you know. And so when I first, no kidding, when we first moved here, some friends said, we want to take somewhere nice to eat. And I said, great. And so I'm always up for that. And, you know, he's carrying a bottle of wine. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Where are we going, man? You know, <laughs> cultural thing, you know, BYOB, subculture. Now we know here, that those of us who live here now, that there are some of the greatest restaurants around where you have to take your own wine. And actually, I don't mind because it's a whole lot cheaper. And... <laughs> And, and, and so, but that's part of our subculture. Okay, make the correlation. Christians, believers in Jesus, often do the same thing. They have a certain language sometimes. They have a certain way of acting. In some places, they even have a certain, a certain dress code. They may not say that, but a certain way of dressing. And, and some of you have, have, have come here to Renaissance Church for the first time and, and you, you, you wear your church clothes and then you get abused by the pastor when he says, what the heck are you doing wearing a tie? You know? Um, and, and that's fine if you want to wear a tie, by the way. We don't care about that. But you understand my point here is that sometimes we create this thing and we have our own forms of entertainment and we have certain movies that are okay and certain movies that are not. Those who have, who have bought into this whole thing of subculture. That's what I want to talk about. Real quick story. She was here in the early service, 930 service. I have a friend who years ago, her four-year-old, three-year-old, one or the other, they were driving somewhere and they saw a sign that said, Jesus saves. And my friend had no, no clue what that meant. And it wasn't in the church or anything. And, 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 or maybe, I don't know, Catholic or something. I'm not sure what they were. They, they weren't that active. And, uh, but they had no idea what it was. And so this little three or four-year-old says, Hey, Mommy, what does Jesus saves mean? My friend didn't know what to say, and they just said, Well, I think it means that, I think it means that Jesus doesn't waste. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. That's a true story. It's a true story. But how would you know if he hadn't been in those circles? There's a little phrase, Jesus saves. Um, my point is this. We often think we're doing God's work by seeking to change the culture, by postulating on all that's bad with it. Um, then we gradually create this new, not necessarily bad, but this new subculture with certain kinds of terminology, certain kinds of music, uh, certainly a, a certain prescribed kind of lifestyle, depending on which one, sometimes a particular party affiliation, and we end up totally missing the point. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to show you three very simple things from the Bible. One of them kind of goes together, or two of them kind of go together. Uh, I'm going to show you three very simple things, because here's what I want you to know. You can create and become part of a Christian culture and never have your heart changed. That's not what God had in mind. I know that. He didn't tell me that. I read it in the Bible. Okay? You can totally, totally be a part of a Christian culture and never understand. I've seen this with people sometimes where they become part of that and they think that's what it is. And, they, when, and, and there's no relationship with God. So, three things. And this is, what, this is what really a believer in Christ is supposed to be. Okay, or this is really what a church is supposed to be, too. If you even want to take that further, because the, what, the church is made up of, of believers and people who are just sort of seeking and see if they're interested. So, here we go. 
Three things, living as a lighthouse or being in a bunker, basically, is what we're talking about. All right? Three things, very simple, very simple things. And as I said, the first two kind of go together. The first one is, seek to be a positive influence. This is what God had in mind. Seek to be a positive influence. So how do you know that's what Jesus had in mind? All right, I'll tell you why, because I'm going to show it to you. It's in Matthew chapter 5, and uh, this is from what we traditionally call uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which you're going to hear more about in the uh, distant future. But uh, this is from what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And this is, this is Jesus talking in the message uh, translation or paraphrase. He says, let me tell you why you're here. He's got my attention. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. At this point, by the way, Jesus is pointing. He's doing this at, Lake, at the Sea of Galilee. And, and he's right behind him is a city literally on a hill. And it's a huge mountain, really. I've been there and I've climbed it in 100 degree heat. Because I wanted to get there. But he, literally, Jesus was, was talking about this, and he was pointing to a city that was up on a hill. He was literally doing that. That's really kind of cool. So, I mean, you know, Jesus was just so, so effective with these kind of things. But keep reading. He says, we're going public. It's a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Jesus says, seek to be a positive influence. Seek that. If you're a, if you're a follower of Christ, seek to be a positive influence. There's a book I'm going to quote twice today. It's a book called Fearless Faith. We have some downstairs and we'll have more if, they're, they're, if they've run out. But in Fearless Faith, John Fisher says this, The high road of involvement, interaction, and mutual respect for those in the world has been abandoned in favor of the low road of disengagement, isolation, and scorn. Thousands of Christians lobby for conservative legislation. Few go into politics. Thousands of Christians protest abortion clinics. Few, few provide for single moms or adopt babies. Thousands boycott blasphemous movies. Few seek a vocation in Hollywood. We're fortunate to have a couple here. But isn't that true? We want to we just, you know, criticize it and, and, oh, that's terrible. And, and these people are awful. And, and that group's terrible. And look what they're doing. And he's saying, in this book, and I think as a reflection of what Jesus says, hey, seek to be a positive influence wherever you are. Whatever you, whatever you choose to be and to do. Wherever that is, seek to be a positive influence. That's how the world's going to change. Second thing which really goes along with this first thing, is this. Not only seek to be a positive influence, but, but always be influence aware. And it's really sort of a sub, subset of the first point. Always be influence aware. My point is this. Wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever your circle of friends or, or influence might be, there's a way to make a difference. Don't know how that might work for you, but there's a way to make a difference. We have most uh, recently seen the illustration in movie and in book uh, Eric Metaxas, who's going to be here next week, wrote the book on Amazing Grace, the story of William Wilberforce, the man who was single-handedly responsible for the abolition of the slave trade in the United Kingdom in the 1800s, 30 or 40 years before we got a clue here in America. But he was the, he was the precursor to that. And it all came from one thing. You know what it came from? The convictions that he had from Christ that this is wrong. 
this is wrong. And somebody has to stop. It was, his, it was his convictions from his faith in Christ that caused him to act. When you think of even in, in, in one of the things that drove Lincoln, and I got a great little book, and I can send me an email, I'll show you how to get it's a little book on, on Lincoln's faith, because sometimes Lincoln's uh, blamed for not having a lot of faith. And this book traces how he came to not only sign the Emancipation and Proclamation, but how he came to really be outspoken against slavery and, and had such a firm stand. It came from beliefs as he grew in his own faith in Christ and in God. Pretty amazing. So my point is this. Always be, you know, okay, maybe you're not going to be a Wilberforce. Maybe you're not going to be a Lincoln. Maybe you're not even going to be a whomever. But I guarantee you there are people in your life and in your sphere of influence, wherever you are, of whom you can have an influence on. Seek to be that. Now, how am I going to do that? Am I going to be one of those guys that goes around all the time spouting verses? Hey, I got a verse for you. I got a verse for you. I used to know people like that. Got away from them as soon as I could. Um, I lived by, when I first came here, they asked me, uh, when I was first talking about being, sort of being interviewed and interviewing them for the, the being pastor here, they said, are there any creeds that you live by? I said, I live by two things. I live by Matthew, which says, uh, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and others as yourself. And I live by another, another saying from one of our church fathers, St. Francis, who said this, preach Christ at all times, use words when necessary. I just love that. I didn't guess that's at all. Preach Christ at all times. Use words when necessary. So when I talk about being an influence aware, you may not necessarily be one. It's saying a lot. But it's how you live your life. It's how you treat people. And it's a great thought. Always be influence aware. Because whether you like it or not, you are influencing people. Third thing that I want you to see. Living as a lighthouse or being in a bunker. Seek to be a positive influence. Always be influence aware. Third thing, live authentically. Live authentically. This is all about what being a, a follower of Christ really is. Be authentic. Um, you know, and that's the thing here. So many times we get so hung up and we think we've got to be this way or, or we've got to be that way. And, and, and we think we've got to have a certain, certain language or certain not say certain things. And sometimes, let me just make a little confession here to some of you. Sometimes I go a little the other direction to make the point, to show people that there are people who have a desire to please God and who desire to live the way Jesus wants them to live and still might let a hell or a dam slip out. And, and we have kids in here. If you do, kids, you're not supposed to talk like that. Okay. Um, at least, you know, most of your parents will tell you that. No, just kidding, people. Lighten up here a little bit, okay? Um, um, is that okay? Did I, just, did I just hear from God? Uh, that's terrible. Okay. Okay, honey, you were right. I'll clean it up. Okay. Um, sometimes I go over the top to try to make that point, and I go too far. But my, what I really want you to understand is this. You can be a follower of Christ. And, and, and certainly there's some things you don't want to do. And there are certain principles that you're going to, that's, that's going to be part of who you are. And that's, that's just particularly principles that are clear principles in the Scripture. And we understand that. But there's not a particular 
you know, be careful with that whole thing of just automatically subscribing to some kind of a subculture. Well, now I can only listen to Christian music. I can only talk this way. I can only do this. I can't do this. Be careful with that. You know, be careful that you can't explore and experience and, 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 and things that we need to do. Let me show you this. A couple things real quick. I love this verse. I love this verse. Philippians chapter 2. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. And provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. Isn't that great? He's talking to believers. He says, don't be some cantankerous, hard to get along with, you know, fist-shaking-in-the-air individual. Just live it. Let me show you one more quote from the Fisher book that I, I mentioned earlier. Instead of engaging our culture in a meaningful way, we Christians have often preferred a siege mentality, retreating to the safety of our Christian subculture. We're more comfortable fighting culture than we are being constructively involved in it. The more we Christians remove ourselves from the world, the worse the world gets in the absence of Christian influence. And the stronger the argument becomes to stay away from the world. If we were training our children to understand and critically examine the world's popular art, literature, music, and film, instead of limiting them to safe Christian versions of these things, we might have a different world waiting for us in the next generation. All I can say to that is here, here. It's so true. Live authentically. Let me say something one more time to, to those of you who are not sure who you are, what you are, in terms of whether you're a person of faith or, or seeking or, or, or somewhere in the middle or don't care or whatever. Um, ask questions. Explore. Be skeptical. Have some doubts. And don't let anybody give you any crap about it. Because God's big enough to handle that. And to have the view, I can't doubt this. Oh, yeah? Show me the guy that hasn't had a doubt or two, and I'll show you the guy that's had a couple lobotomies. Okay? No offense to those who have. Okay? (laughs) Getting in trouble here as we go on, aren't I? You know, do whatever you do. Do whatever you do. Don't think that being a follower of Christ is about language or lingo or politics or fashion or some other subcultural kind of thing. Let me tell you what it is, all right? It's very simple. Just follow along. God does not give one whit about Christians, Christians creating some subculture where we all use Christian-y terms and sit around a campfire singing kumbaya, trying to, I guess you know who wrote this, trying to abide to some cookie-cutter, mindless, heartless followership or religion. God doesn't give a whit about that. God does care about us believing in Him. He's all about relentlessly pursuing us as His children who often get lost on the roads of life. Even those of us who are longtime believers in Jesus. All society benefits from his involvement in our lives as he makes us better people, starting on the inside, eventually displaying itself on the outside. That's what God wants. That's why Jesus came. And that's why Jesus, when you think about Jesus' life, he went to the culture. He didn't say, I'll clean yourself up and I'll come and be a part of what you are. He went to the nitty-gritty culture. 
and said, I love you. Enough to die for you. And then be raised again for you. Come on up, guys. The band's going to come up because they're going to sing a song. This is kind of, this is kind of my last point, really. Um, they're going to sing a song that, that I think says it all because it talks about the fact that wherever you are, wherever you are, that's where, that's where God's love is and can find you. And just listen closely to the words. Let me pray, and, uh, and then Julie's and the band will sing. God, thank you so much for your phenomenal love for each of us, more than we can fathom. And that Jesus showed us that love by living, suffering, dying, and being raised again. We thank you for this time, God. We pray that we would um, just think and reflect and pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.